2: Patrick
3: Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons, only on the horn.
0: Welcome back to this sports complex on a Friday afternoon. It's almost the weekend on the show today. We'll talk some Texas basketball, some big 12 basketball, some Texas women's basketball, number five team in the country. Play a little interview talking Austin FC. That season's getting started as well. So we can get into some of that. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day. Texas baseball has a series this weekend. Some NFL news, some NBA news, and a whole lot more coming up on the show today, including your text messages, 512-447-3776, 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Uh, I apologize for my voice if it goes out at any point today, a little under the weather today, but trying to power through on a Friday, get through these next two hours. So uh, hopefully we'll get through it all right uh, with you guys here on the text line. But uh, join me on the text line. Help me out today. Give me, some, give me some good stuff on the text line, 512-447-3776, whatever you guys want to talk about. You guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. So keep on coming on on the text line. We'll have a good show today. Uh, A whole lot of action happening. I know football season is not going, but there's tons of basketball. There's soccer coming. There's spring training, baseball. There's a lot to get into. And, of course, Texas baseball playing another series this weekend. Going to be a fun weekend. Uh, uh, Texas playing a big game tomorrow in men's basketball, taking on number nine, Kansas. Uh, This is a game where we've talked about this plenty, that uh, you know, you need, really need to win one of those road games so you can finish 500 in Big 12 play, 500 in Big 12 play with how good that conference is uh, will most likely get you pretty much locked into uh, the tournament, probably get you around an eight seed. Uh, so if you can win one and you have three left, they're all tough. It's Kansas on Saturday. On Tuesday, you have uh, Texas Tech. And the next weekend, you have Baylor. Uh, so they're going to be all tough games, uh, but you have a shot. This Kansas team, there are ways to get to them. There are ways they're not infallible. Now, they're infallible at home so far this season. Uh, they have not been infallible on the road, but at home, it's just been a hard road. You know, anybody goes in there, everybody knows it's hard to win at Kansas. Uh, they do have something that is Texas is going to have to deal with that's going to be an issue in this game, which is Texas' size, or sorry, Kansas' size uh, is just going to be a real hard mismatch for Texas. They basically play five guys most of the game. They have a couple guys that come in off the bench, but they're going to play the majority of the game with their five starters. KJ Adams is six seven. McCuller is six seven. Furphy is six nine. Dickinson seven two. And, and you know your uh, Dewan Harris is is your smallest guy. He's six two, which is still taller than both of our guards in Max A Smith and. Uh, uh, Tyrese Hunter both those guys are about 5'11 6 foot so it's going to be tough guarding these guys it's going to be tough keeping up it's going to be tough to get shots off against just a lot of size from Kansas so what you realize is in this game you have to be able to use uh, your speed your quickness and try to get them to put those long arms don't let them play straight up and down you have to let, try and get them to move, get out of position, get their footwork out, get them tripping you up, get them putting their hands down where you can jump into their hands. Those types of things is what you're going to have to do against all this size, trying to cut across. You have to be careful with the basketball against a team that's long like this. And you have to play rough. You have to play tough in this game. The people who are getting to Kansas and are causing Kansas problems are guys who bump with them. Hunter Dickinson doesn't like to bump. He's a big guy, six seven or seven two, but he is a guy that doesn't necessarily like to play with a ton of contact. So if you can go in there and, you know, between Dylan DeSue and Caden Shedrick and Brock Cunningham, who will probably get some fouls in this game, uh, you have to go in and play really tough uh, basketball. It's, you have to do what Houston does and, and understand your undersized, understand that you may be outmanned in some of this, but if you come at it hard enough, that you're going to be able to get some pressure on this Kansas team, uh, and if you can go out there and slow them down from the perimeter, if you can get them to take shots on the perimeter where you're getting out, and you're trying to drive to the basket. And when they come to the basket, they're getting contact. They're getting you, you. If you get in foul trouble, you get in foul trouble. This is a game where you can't afford to not try and play physical against Kansas because if you just go skill for skill, it's a real hard road uh, for Texas to climb in this game. And the reality of all of it, if you look at Kansas' losses, they get flustered, they don't score the paint enough, and they don't hit threes. And those are in their losses. They miss threes. When they're winning and playing their best basketball, they're a 40 45% uh, three-point shooting team. When they're losing, they're 20% free, uh, three free points. So if you can get them flustered by playing them tough, by coming out full-court pressing them at points, by getting up on them, picking up at the half court, making them make moves, making them... You know, as a six-seven guy, six nine guys, making them try to push the ball and and you know get in situations where you can force turnovers. You have to do those types of things against this Kansas team to have any shots. You have to be tough in this game. It's a hard one for Texas because you're going into Kansas. No one's beaten them there yet uh, this season. It'll be hard, but it's not impossible because they've shown that there's been times this season that they have, you know, been able to be defended properly throw them off their game, and they all don't shoot that well. And if you can get that, you have a shot against this Kansas team. Uh, but in the reality, you have to shoot a better three-point percentage than Kansas. Uh, and they, Texas has not been doing that recently. So to have a shot in this game, you have to shoot in the 40% or high 30% three-point. Uh, we know that Texas hasn't been close to that really in the last uh, few weeks. Uh, so if you can turn it on in this game, you got a shot. If not, it's going to be a long Saturday for the Texas Longhorns. But you really need to try and get one of these between Kansas and Texas Tech because it makes the rest of the season uh, just a little bit easier. So hopefully we will see a a win there on Saturday. I'm saying odds are not great for that, but uh, you're hoping for a win there. You also have a good game in the Big 12 over uh, Houston at a Baylor. That's number two Houston at number 11. Baylor going to be a really good game. Can Houston take that on the road? Baylor's been good at home, struggled on the road, uh, but they have been really good at home. LJ Cryer, though, who has been on and off and not necessarily the best shooter this season, playing good defense, playing good team basketball, but his shooting percentage has gone down. We'll see. He came from Baylor. He's not going to have any problem going back there. He knows the court. He may get in a rhythm uh, against Baylor. Uh, It'll be a fun game because if you look at the averages, Baylor averages 82.6 points per game. Houston allows 55.3 points per game. So this is a very good defense versus a really high-powered offense. But uh, the reality of it, the last 10 games, Baylor's five and five. Uh, the Cougars are 9-1. and one. It's going to be a tough road for Baylor to win, but you're at home. That offense can get going, and where it's going to lead to, you know your veterans can step up in these moments. That's what they're doing. That's what they're prepared for, but you need your freshmen. You're getting to the end of the season. Last couple of weeks of the season, you need your freshmen to be stepping up because those are the guys that are going to be able to t- c- carry you through the Big 12 tournament. Those are the guys who can carry you through uh, the NCAA tournament. Jacoby Walter and uh, Eves Missy are two guys for Baylor. If they play well in this game, they have a real shot to upset number two Houston. Uh, Cincinnati and TCU, another interesting game for the Big 12 on Saturday. Uh, TCU is most likely going to get into the Big uh, the NCAA tournament. They're right now not on the bubble. They're a little bit inside of that. Cincinnati is on the bubble. Uh, I think outside looking in, still got some work, but a road win against TCU is a big move for Cincinnati if they want to get into the tournament uh, TCU right now has been taking the most of creating turnovers and turning those into points. They're actually first in the country in fast break points per game. Uh, so TCU has that. Cincinnati needs to be careful with the basketball. And there's an interesting part of Cincinnati last few games has basically binged Victor Lockin. Uh, he was a guy who's one of their more skilled players. Uh, the big man uh, was playing against Texas, but people realized they could just kind of bump with him the same way I said about Hunter Dickinson. You just kind of have to bump with him some, and he would back away and just couldn't take the contact. Uh, big 12 style of basketball is not for him, and he has now been benched and has been playing the last couple of games. They haven't said a reason uh, medically, uh, so it seems more that they're just not getting what they need out of him uh, defensively and offensively. Uh, but he was supposed to be a big piece for this Cincinnati team, was leading him in scoring at one point in the season, uh, and then it's all kind of gone downhill from there. So there may be an injury. There may be some reason why he's not playing right now. Uh, But that's an interesting development. But they need a big game against TCU to try and get closer to making that NCAA tournament. So they're going to be coming with a fire against TCU. And finally, Texas Tech is taking on UCF. Uh, We'll see if Texas Tech can go on the road and get another big win. They're ranked 23 right now. Those are to try and boost their, uh, their rankings. You know, you don't really move up too much. But if you lose to a UCF, even though it's on the road, could knock you down a little bit in the seeding. Uh, UCF is a really good defensive team as well, so it should be fun to watch a Texas Tech team where UCF dictates a fast pace. They get steals. They get turnovers. They're very efficient defensively, Uh, but Texas Tech, when they can get free throws, when they can get points, if Pop Isaac goes off, uh, they have a shot. They're in every single game over in women's basketball. Texas taking on UCF uh, this weekend. Uh, UCF's on a three-game losing streak. Uh, Their big player is Caitlin Peterson, uh, she's putting up twenty points a game. Uh, Shay Holly's gonna have her hands full uh in that one, trying to defend, trying to play hard against her, but this is a game. Texas should be able to get a win. They didn't look great uh this week. Uh we know that uh Vic Schaefer was not happy with the with the effort and the uh the execution uh this week in their game. So uh we'll see if they pick it up. I'm sure they've had some spirited practices. Let's just say that. Spirited practices uh before they get on the road to UCF. All right. I want to play you some sound. Again, I apologize for my voice. We're going to try and get through the show today. Text lines open 512-447-3776. we we'll get to the big fat poll in a second, but I do want to talk some Austin FC uh, on Hook'em Up this morning. They had Eric Goodman on from the Austin Chronicle to talk some Austin FC and some soccer to get you ready for the season. Uh, so let's play that right now. Uh, it's Eric Goodman from the Austin Chronicle doing a little Austin FC talk, getting you ready for soccer season.
3: All right, uh, speaking of winning, Austin FC uh, we had a great season two years ago, but last year kind of lackluster in year three in, uh, in Austin, Texas. Uh, this is now year four as they get it going out on the pitch there at Q2 Stadium. We always like to uh, tap into the knowledge of our next guest on the Vaqueros Sir. Hotline. We talk some, uh, some Austin FC soccer. He is Eric Goodman, covers the team for the Austin Chronicle, uh, doing great work over there. He's got a great preview over there. He's got a newsletter as well covering the, uh, the Austin professional sports squad right there. Eric, how are you, man? Happy New Year
1: gentlemen good morning happy new year if we're still saying that yeah and uh new year (laughs) happy new soccer year happy new soccer year (laughs) that's right that's right that's right um yeah and it's one that i'm really looking forward to so good to be on with you guys appreciate you doing it eric and uh you know for folks who kind of come to soccer
3: you know as the season begins they don't follow it year-round and roster moves and who's doing what what uh, i know there's a new sporting manager there and, and uh uh, Rafael Burrell, and uh, there's a lot of changes. What is this uh, roster and what is this makeup of this team that you like and what is concerning?
1: So it, it's very much a work in progress. You're right. Rodolfo Burrell, you know, he's got this long-term plan that he's trying to implement. A lot of it is behind the scenes. A lot of it's with the scouting network that they're trying to do. We got to speak with Rodolfo for the first time uh, all offseason yesterday, and he mentioned something interesting, which is like in MLS in particular – a lot of players, especially when you talk about players from international coming into the league, a lot of it is just agents going to clubs and saying, hey, we have this player that we think you should take a look at, Might you know, is interested in coming in and then the MLS clubs just say, oh, sounds great, you know, let's offer him a contract. Burrell wants to turn Austin into one of those clubs that they're going out into the market and identifying the players themselves that they want to bring in, um, which, you know, that's obviously how the biggest clubs in the world do business. So, you know, it's it's he clearly has visions for where he wants Austin to be as far as something similar. It obviously won't be in terms of the money spent, anything close to what he's, you know, what his resume suggests being from Manchester City, from Barcelona, um, from Liverpool. But I just I think that's an interesting, you know, point about how he's trying to do business here. But it's slow going, and, and I don't expect this roster to be quite ready to compete for certainly not an MLS Cup. I do think there's enough uh, you know, there for them to compete for a playoff spot this year, um, especially they expanded the playoffs last year. So, you know, nine out of 14 teams are going to have a chance to play in the postseason. And I do think Austin has a decent shot to, to be among those those nine teams.
2: Hey, Eric, what was the um, biggest off-season move or the most impactful off-season transaction um, for, for Austin FC?
1: So I think the hope is that it was bringing in Diego Rubio, who's a striker who scored a lot of goals in, in MLS. He's going to turn 31 this season. Um, he, two years ago, he scored 16 goals with uh, with Colorado. And, you know, there's – didn't didn't have as good a year last season, but there's hope. I mean, Josh Wolf, it's so ironic. Josh Wolf, Austin FC's manager, was a striker in his playing days and he had, you know, I think four seasons he scored double digit goals as a striker. And yet in his system as a coach, he's never had a, a, a number nine, an, a true striker, score double digit goals. So that would be the hope for Rubio. Obviously Sebastian Driussi is, you know, a, a safe bet to score from the midfield and that's a great Uh, Tool for any club to have when you're getting goals from, you know, a little bit farther back on the pitch. But they, they really are going to need somebody to step up in the number nine position, and I think they hope it's going to be Rubio.
3: He's the best. Eric Goodman covering Austin FC, Rodolfo Burrell now, the sporting manager. And is, is it fair to say going into this season, 2024, that uh, there's just some continuity now? I mean, last year going into the season, it was, it was a mess with the, uh, the departure of Claudio Reyna and kind of everybody you know, assuming different roles, including Josh Wolf, And uh, can, it kind of led to a team kind of not having a general or a sporting manager all the way until the summer when Burrell was hired. Fair to say they're in a better place in that capacity as they hit the pitch tomorrow night?
1: One hundred percent, and not only that, you also had just a crazy amount of injuries. I mean, it's kind of the reverse of the fortune that they had two years ago, when I think they were statistically the healthiest team in MLS last season. That was certainly not the case. They they had to tinker. I think eight different players had to had to slot in, had to start matches at center back, which is you know that's kind of unheard of. And I think Josh Wolf called it a nightmare, or something that the club had to navigate. So you you hopefully are going to have better injury luck. And yes, you're right, you've got. A little bit more continuity. There's, it's it's not a deep roster. I mean, that's not only is it not deep in quality, it's not even deep in quantity. I mean, they're gonna enter the season with one of the fewest, uh, you know, just total numbers of players on their roster of any team in MLS. So, it is a work in progress. But you do hope um, with some of the players that have now been here, you know, some going on four years. Uh, you have some young players like Danny Pereira and Owen Wolf who you know are safe bets to you know have a chance to really take a step forward this year. so you know there is, there's plenty of reason for optimism, even as Rodolfo Borrell continues to try to tinker with this roster, sort out the salary cap issues that were left by Claudio Reyna, and get this club where the, where everybody wants it to be.
2: Eric, who can be the, who who are the captains uh, for the squad this year?
1: So Sebastian Druce is going to wear the captain's armband. He's going to be, you know, the captain on the pitch. But, you know, he's the kind of player that, that leads with his play more than leading vocally. When you talk about yeah. the vocal leaders, you know, since day one, Brad Stuver has been kind of that, that voice that um, both inside the locker room and, you know, in the media and obviously with the fan base is very much kind of the, the outspoken face of the club. So I, I don't expect that to change. And then Alex Ring Um, who I got a chance to to interview for for our preview issue. He didn't speak to any media at all in 2023, kind of, you know, very much kept a low profile and, and let some controversy kind of swirl around him. Whether it was true or not, you know, he didn't do anything to dispel what some people might have been suspecting about, is he happy here? He was obviously Austin's first ever captain, and then they made the change to Jerusalem. So it was, you know, what about Alex Ring? How does he feel about this? But it does sound like he's very comfortable still here in Austin. And, and at least within the locker room, even if he's not going to be kind of that front-facing figure, in that locker room, he's still somebody that, you know, with his veteran, you know, he's seen, he's played in Europe, he's seen a lot here in NLS, and I think he's still one of the important voices in that locker room.
3: Rodolfo Burrell is now the sporting director. Eric Goodman is our guest. And, guys, you mentioned uh, when we asked about the, the big picture, right, he's got a long-term plan for Austin FC. But it's year four now, and the passionate fans, the Verde fan base, uh, you know, it's that, t- that's t- it's that time on the calendar where, man, it's about, you know, performance, right? I mean, the, uh, the, 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 the bloom is off the rose at some level. It's not just about having this cool team in this great new stadium. It's about performing. So Josh Wolf got the vote of confidence from Burrell coming in. But safe to say Josh Wolfe has, a, has a, a lot to show this year with his ability to get the most out of this soccer club?
1: Yeah, it's interesting with Josh because this, you know, Rodolfo Burrell, I think, is the first to admit that this is a work in progress, and you're not going to necessarily evaluate your coach on, you know, if, if they're not in, in contention for a top-four slot. That's not necessarily going to reflect 100% on Joshua. But Burrell did tell us that, that between him, between Anthony Precourt, you know, the leader of the ownership group, that they have kind of internally their own assessment for where this team should, re- you know, realistically finish, And, and it, it sounds like, you know, that's kind of the standard they're, they're going to hold Josh Wolf to. And I, I don't expect that that, you know, standard is all that high. I, I would expect it to be somewhere between like, you know, if you could finish in that ninth spot, I think that the club would be you know comfortable with that based on where it is in this long-term plan. But if if Austin FC struggles, finishes another year, like down in the 12th to 14th spot, I do think there's a chance that Josh Wolf might, uh, that that a change might be made at the manager position before next season.
2: Eric, do you think there'll be a change in the style of play, the brand of uh, soccer that Austin FC is going to play this season?
1: I really, I mean, I don't think so because since the day, since the day Josh Wolf got to Austin, you know, he's preached, the the same system you know he's he wants his team to be on the ball his he wants his team to progress from the back you know passing its way all the way through and and, and wind up with at its best some some really pretty you know well-worked team goals uh and and i don't expect that really to change uh, That it seems like the idea for Austin FC is is just to surround to, to build this club with players that fit into that game plan so i think as long as josh wolf is here Uh, that's kind of the the style of soccer they're going to try to play. I think the key this year is can they, even though they score, you know, enough goals to be competitive, can they prevent the goals that, you know, they were were third in MLS in conceding goals last season, and that killed them throughout down the stretch of the season. So that's really going to be the focus this year.
3: Uh, Eric Goodman. Last thing uh, for me, Eric. The uh, the big picture for all, for the MLS. Obviously, Lionel Messi and uh, Inter Miami already have a win. They won on Thursday night, uh, two 0 Uh Who are the top teams? You know, who are the favorites to uh, to, to to go get the MLS Cup?
1: You know, it's it, that's always a a fun and, and kind of difficult question to answer with MLS because by design, this league keeps its its teams so uh, tight and and so evenly balanced, but. I mean I I do think Inter Miami now with a full season of Lionel Messi with a full season of now Luis Suarez who's you know one of the top scorers in in you know the biggest leagues in Europe uh since you know over his career I do think they should be considered the MLS Cup favorite obviously LAFC is always going to have, be fielding a competitive team so in the west they're still the team to beat until proven otherwise and then you know other teams like Philadelphia that have just proven they kind of have, you know, a good, a good continuity in this league, uh, and, and you know those would be those would be the teams that you know I think are, are the safest bet to to be there, kind of in that Final Four. But again, this is by design a really unpredictable league, and that's why you have teams like Austin FC two years ago that surprise everyone, and that could certainly happen again this year.
3: Eric, we appreciate it, my friend. Uh, Follow Eric. Uh, He's got the great Twitter handle, at Goodman, at Goodman on X or Twitter. Uh, You can also read his work at the Austin Chronicle. He's covering Austin FC, doing great work. That's good stuff right there. Great overview. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it very much, and uh, enjoy the match tomorrow night, and we'll talk again soon.
1: Sounds great, gentlemen. Take it easy.
0: Good stuff there from Eric Goodman talking some Austin FC, getting you ready. For soccer season, it's basketball season, it's baseball season, it's soccer season. Lots of sports still going on. And we're going to talk some football in the 5 o'clock hour. But uh, we're going to talk a little football in the Big Fat Poll of the Day as well. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. Big Fat Poll of the Day today. Uh, we're just going to ask you a one we talked about a little bit yesterday. But their new salary cap number has come out. It's changed some things. We'll get into that at 5. But I want to ask you guys... Which free agent should the Cowboys sign? And now we really should sign multiple free agents. But if you had to say there's one guy that this is the guy they should get, whether it's a Chris Jones or a Patrick Queen or a Derrick Henry or a Josh Jacobs, somebody like that, who do you think is the one person that if you could go out and, and Jerry Jones could go handpick one person to go put the all the marbles on to go get, who would you have uh, – Jerry Jones and the Cowboys go out and sign. Who's a free agent? The Cowboys should be going after. Top target. Let me know on the text line. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll get into a little bit uh, about tight ends uh, and what they're going to be doing in the draft and how important they are in the NFL these days. Uh, We'll get to that when we come back uh, here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app at hornfm.com.
2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDIC.
3: The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis of The Horn.
0: Back on the Sports Complex on a Friday afternoon. It's a 5-1-2 Friday where we play local artists. You can go check out Roundtown this weekend. This is Pearl Z, and she is playing tonight at Chess Club. You can go check out Pearl Z at Chess Club tonight here on a 5-1-2 Friday. Uh, keeping the show rolling right along. Big fat poll today. Text lines open 512-447-3776. Which free agent should the Cowboys prioritize who should they go after first? Who's the big name in free agency that the Cowboys need to be going for? You could say a position too. We can try and figure out. But what do you say? Who who do you think it is? Is it a Derek Henry, a Josh Jacobs, a Chris Jones, Patrick Queen? Is it a is it a you know a, a, someone in the secondary? Who do you think it should be? Let me know on the text line five one two four four seven three seven seven six. All right, uh, we want to do a little a hook 'em up replay here for you. Uh, talking, uh, They were talking today about tight ends. Uh, J.T. Sanders definitely the, looks like he's the number two tight end in the draft. Where he may end up going, how he possibly could end up being a first-round pick because of how important the tight end position has become. They broke it down today on up with Ian B. All
2: right, now I'm going to make the argument that the two top tight ends in this draft, Brock Bowers, who's just a freak of nature, and uh, J.T. Sanders should probably be drafted a little bit earlier and their stock should rise. And really, the, it's more of a salary cap argument. I think tight ends are giving a lot of teams a salary cap loophole, if you will. I mean, think about the most productive tight ends in football. Let's take Travis Kelsey. Um, but even though look at the Final Four, right? Go look at the Final Four teams in the uh, in the NFL playoffs, in the conference finals. Uh, you go look at those, Travis Kelsey, of course, with the Kansas City Chiefs, good tight end. George Kittle for the 49ers, good tight end. Um, even Mark Andrews for the Baltimore Ravens, really good tight end. Um, the, the Detroit Lions right, drafted a tight end really high and ended up uh, setting records uh, as a as a, a rookie tight end. Right? It just seemed like the teams that advanced later in the playoffs that they all had really good tight end play. And there's an argument to be made that those GMs are just really savvy in terms of roster construction. Because one thing about wide receivers become a premium position, tight end is not a premium position. One thing about premium positions are you're going to have to pay for it. You're going to pay for that premium position. And wide receiver right now, the top wide receivers, you go look at what they're making. I mean, those guys are making, you know, 22, 25, close to $25 million. That's a lot of money. But when you look at tight ends, take Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey ranked uh, behind only Devontae Adams from 2016 to 2022 for those years in receiving yards. (laughs) <laughs> or he or he led the league uh if we include the postseason he led the league all right in receiving yards we include his postseason play but if he were a receiver i'll give you his ranks by receiving yards in contrast to his salary so in 2022 if he was a receiver receiving yards he'd have been the top five receiver but he's paid like the the number 19 receiver <laughs> in 2021 his receiving yards would have put him seventh paid like the 18th highest paid receiver uh in 2020 in 2020 he in 2020 and 2019 he's top 3 in terms of his production as a receiver period in the NFL, but he's paid like the 16th and 15th highest paid receiver. You get the picture. 2018 seventh uh, best wide receiver in terms of receiving yards, 7th best receiver, I should say, in terms of receiving yards, but paid like the 13th highest paid receiver. 2017, top 10. 2016, top 10 in receiving yards production, um, but... He's 30th and 44th in terms of what his uh, compensation would be if he were ranked according to whether wide receivers are paid. So you get a discount on the salary, but the production is extremely high. You look at career earnings, right? Amari Cooper's at 116.7. Brandon Cooks is at 108.4. Allen Robinson is at 95.2. You know what Travis Kelsey's career earnings are? $76 million. He's one of the best discounts. He's one of the best bargains in all of sports, not just in football. And he's a bit of a cheat code, right? You know what Rob Gronkowski's career earnings were? $70 million. 70.6. Hell, Randall Cobb has made more money than Rob Gronkowski. Is he a better player than Gronk? No. Hell, you go look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady ain't even the same Tom Brady without Gronk. You go look at games where Gronk plays. Uh you go look at the com- completion period. Look at touchdowns. Touchdowns. Uh, with Gronk, 2.24 for Brady. This is playoffs included. Without Gronk, 1.63. You go look at yards for uh for Brady, with and without grunk, uh, yards are much better. You're going to look at the interception rate. All right? Without grunk, the interception rate is higher, 0.62 compared to 0.57. Quarterback passer rating, 89 without grunk for Tom Brady, and it's a 102.6 with. Uh Gronk, um the average average net yards per attempt six point eight without Gronk eight point two with Gronk. You go look at overall winning percentage without Gronk you're at sixty five percent with Gronk you're down there at seventy eight percent win percentage. Brady's a different quarterback with and without Gronk. They took away his top wide receivers, Brady was still Brady, right? Uh, but without Gronk he's a little bit different. Same thing with 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 uh, Patrick Mahomes right? He took away Tyree Hill. Patrick Mahomes had a career year, still won Super Bowls, no big deal. Take away Kelsey and see what happens. <laughs> that was the, fir- the first half of that San Francisco game. What they do? Took away Travis Kelsey. How did the Kansas City Chiefs look? Pedestrian. Yes. And when they, they lost Dre Greenlaw, they could no longer execute the game plan to take away Travis Kelsey, and that's when the, uh, the, the Kansas City Chiefs went crazy. So my point is it's cheaper if you can find a, a tight end. Like the one that the Kansas City Chiefs have in Travis Kelsey, but he's the greatest of all time. But even a Kittle, even a Mark Andrews, um, even a LaPorta for, for uh, Detroit, they are just a huge discount because they give you wide receiver one productivity, but you got to pay them like a, like a fourth wide receiver on your team, a second or third potentially on your team. Travis Kelsey finished in 2022. He finished third in catches, eighth in yards, and second in touchdowns. He made twelve million less than Kenny Galladay. He made six and a half million less than Nelson Aguilar. He made five million less than Corey Davis. Four million less than Curtis Samuel. He made one million less than Tyler Boyd. Hell, even Marvin Jones Jr. made more money than Travis Kelsey in twenty twenty two at wide receiver, even though he's getting, he's giving you top five productivity in receiving pro- production in the NFL. He has the most receiving yards in the NFL since 2015, but he ranks 20th in receiver earnings during that, that time span. <laughs> he's a, he's, he's, you could argue and make the case that he's the biggest and the best value and discount and bargain in the NFL right now. The average top five tight end makes $14.9 million a year. The average top five wide receiver, $27 million a year. Go draft Brock Bowers. You're basically drafting a wide receiver one, and he can block for you better. Go draft J.T. Sanders higher than you're supposed to because he can give you productivity of a wide receiver one in the right system. That is my argument to draft both of those guys higher because I think both of them are going to – I think, honestly, Brock Bowers is kind of a no-miss draft pick. I really do. Oh. I think he's phenomenal. But he's the way, way it sets up, he can be a great slot receiver for you. You know you're going to move him around the formation? Like I said, go look at the, the final four teams. It is not a coincidence. But those well-constructed rosters look at tight end as a bargain. All right, and that, that the Detroit Lions drafted one really high, and he set rookie records. That Travis Kelsey is the go-to guy for Mahomes. and I just gave you why why he's a bargain. Go look at Kittle. Go look at um, you know uh, Mark Andrews for hell. Actually, they got was it uh, what was it um, Liley, Likely Likely? Uh, Wasn't it Isaiah uh, Isaiah Isaiah Likely? Isaiah Likely. He's the other tight end for them, right? They like stockpiling tight ends because I think the Baltimore Ravens, a well-run organization, understands the value of it. You just can't get get. If, you, if they're productive, all right, and I think we project that JT Sanders and project that Brock Bowers are going to be productive, there isn't a better value in the NFL right now because they haven't caught up with the, with the NFL's premium positions. Tight end is not considered a premium position, which means you don't have to pay a lot of money for it. But if you find the right tight end and they can give you wide receiver production, you're going to be paying tight end money for it. And that, ladies and gentlemen... Is a, a a great value and discount and bargain for any team, and that's why I don't think it's coincidence. The final four teams all had great tight ends with wide receiver productivity.
3: Yeah, uh, that's a great point, great argument, and uh, it's one that's one of the reasons I keep saying I think Javion Sanders could sneak into the first round. Tell you, man, I really do because I I think there are I know there are organizations in the, that league that look at things like that. They're paying attention to things like that. And, you know, I, look, well, I'm a Texans fan. You tell me they're going to take CJ, uh, JT, JT Sanders in take the first a, round, I'd, give CJ Stroud. You, got, you, you you got the bonus cheat code of a young quarterback on a rookie contract and yep. the emergence maybe of a young tight end who can become his go-to target with Dalton Schultz moving on. I know, I know JT's got work, right? Uh, but the NFL's yeah. about projection and yep. um, what can he be in a couple of years. Look, that's why I don't think, to your point, I don't think Brock Bowers gets past the Chargers at five. I'm with you. I don't, I don't think if, you, if they have Justin Herbert – Yeah. I don't think they play Travis Kelsey twice a year. They understand what that is. Yes, sir. Um, I don't, there, there's not a hole in Brock Bauer's game. I mean, That's there's really not. There. And I don't uh, think so. He's he's as good as we've seen in that position coming in there. Like this isn't going to be like Vernon Davis. Remember Vernon Davis? Oh, just a freak athlete came out of nowhere. Blew Tested really well, yeah. Uh but guess what? Brock Bowers going to test well, but he's also we got the tape. Look at the film. Look at the film. He was the he was the he, he was the, the best
2: player on the best team arguably in the country for a few years, yeah. Yeah, he was the
3: cheat code <laughs> for that offense cuz yep. he, he could do so many things for them. Uh like your word cheat code there. I mean that was and so yeah, like look, Jim Harbaugh's a smart guy. Uh, I can give this guy my to my quarter. He can also help our run game. Yep. Because uh, what was it? Jim Harbaugh was asked here this week about what are you going to do to help Justin Herbert? He said, run the ball. Run the damn ball. We're going to run the ball. We're going <laughs> to run the rock.
2: We're going to run that damn right. And Brock
3: Burrows will help you with that play action game. He yep. can block. That's a yeah. I mean, I'll I, I just. You. I mean, you can take a lot of positions, but Matt, that guy's X factor, and that's why I think J.T. Sanders could just because they're having these conversations right now. They've hey, got to
2: me. If you're a smart organization, you're having this conversation. Well, right? I give
3: the, you know we we get the we get on the Cowboys for a lot of things, but they're they're making tight end a premium position for them. They right? are. You're right about uh, that. Jake Ferguson was a great pick for them in the fourth round. Now you take Luke uh, Shoemaker in the in the second round last year. You're right. Clearly, they're prioritizing. That position as well. I mean, not to that level. And JT Sanders may slide into the top of the second round, but that's where you're going to see a team jump in there and say, hey, man. Yep. I the, could see because it. Because as you said, and we've talked about the Scouts will tell you, the gap between JT Sanders and the third tight end is a long way. Last year was the tight end draft, right? Last year was Dalton Kincaid. Really deep. They took him to give Josh Allen mm-hmm. his go-to tight end, who really emerged as a year went on. Uh, you mentioned Laporta. Uh, there's Luke Musgrave, yep. who was drafted last year. There's a lot of really good young tight ends. And this year, not as many. And so I think JT Sanders could benefit from that, especially, as you said, at the position wide receiver where there are so many wide receivers. So many good wide receivers. If I'm in where the Texans are, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get – the Cowboys. The Cowboys aren't going to take them, but the Texans could because they're looking to replace Dalton Schultz, big picture. Mm-hmm. If you're the Texans, you need a receiver, but at the same time – this is this is a this is a huge cheat code opportunity. I agree, and I can get a receiver. I'm not going to get Malik Neighbors or Marvin Harrison Jr. anyway. I they're going to be long gone.
2: But hell, you might Xavier Worthy might fall the second round. Is what they're yes, saying. that's like, exactly he, right. He can get a good receiver later on. I'm well, with
3: you. I can well think about it. The kid from Michigan, Roman Wilson, who had such a great senior ball, you can get yep. him in the second round. Yep, he's yeah. a real good player. Yep, totally and, agree. And you already have Houston already has Nico Collins, who's going go- to be their two receiver. Tank Dell's there on the outside. So yeah, I mean that's I mean for a young quarterback and and the Bills. I'll give the Bills credit, too, because they went and got Dalton and Cade, right, traded mm-hmm. up to get him to realize just how important that can be. Uh, so I like your a great analysis, as usual, from Rod on that, uh, putting the numbers and the uh, the salaries. I mean, that, that's fact about Randall Cobbs made more money than Rob Gronkowski. is that crazy? It's ridiculous.
2: It, it is, but it shows you smart GMs. They know, like, hey, man, I'm going to get this guy on a, a discount. i got a tight end that basically can play like, wide, play like a wide receiver. I can move him around. And you get the added bonus of them being a run blocker. Yeah. If they're good. So, honestly, they're worth, to me, they're, if a good tight end is worth more than a good wide receiver, you can make the argument. Like yeah. a, the elite wide receiver and elite tight end, you can make the argument elite tight ends are worth more, but they're paid less in yeah. terms of what they bring to a team.
0: Good stuff there from Hook'em Up with Ian Robbie, talking about tight ends, talking about where JT Sanderson going. That's one of the things I, you see Brock Bowers in a lot of the mock drafts going, dropping to like 16, 18, somewhere in that range uh but you know it feels like that's something that you know he it feels like he's going to go earlier i know that it's a uh you know they people say not to draft it but that's like the same you know last year they said don't draft a running back and and Bijan and Jameer Gibbs both come off the table they're both clearly uh you know next level running backs so i think there's something to there's like a you know people believe in these unwritten rules but they don't exist so, you know, there's parts of it where I think that, they, you know, we're going to see Brock Bowers go earlier than most people are projecting because somebody realizes what they can get out of him. And as, as they say, you know, he's an affordable guy to keep. And if you look at a team like the Chargers, what Aaron said, it, that's a team that has to make some tough decisions this year with wide receivers because they paid everybody too much money because they were going all in a couple of years ago. And, you know, it didn't work. So now if you're having to let go some wide receivers and you're having to make some tough decisions to get a rookie contract and then somebody you feel you can you know, sign long term uh, down the road for not breaking the bank versus going against a wide receiver. And if you get Marvin Harrison Jr. and that second contract could break the bank like a Justin Jefferson or a Jamar Chase contract that are going to be crazy big. Uh, a tight end contract, you know, unless you get to go back to the, the Jimmy Graham when he was uh, playing and, and tried to make the case that the franchise tag should be for a wide receiver and not for the tight end because it wasn't making enough money. You know, those debates you could still have. Uh, let's get back uh text line. We're going to get back to the text line here in a second. Uh, 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776. Big fat poll of the day today. Which free agent should the Cowboys sign or prioritize? We know they should sign a few, but who should they prioritize? You know, you think running back's a big need for this team. Uh, Some people think they should go get another wide receiver. Some people think they should go get a tight end. Some people think they still need more offensive weapons. A lot of people believe they need some help in the defense and run stopping and whether it's a defensive tackle or an inside linebacker, maybe one of those places. Maybe one of those top uh, free agents is where you end up going, saying on the text line. But what do you guys think on the text line? 512-447-3776. Which free agent should the Cowboys prioritize? Uh, we get in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll talk a little bit more about those, the new salary cap projections and, and where it's going to go and how that changed the game for both the Cowboys and Texans. We'll get into that in the 5. But I want to hear your opinions on who you think the Cowboys should be going for. If Jerry Jones says, we're going all in, he said they're going all in. And, and I know, you know, we can say that's just you, know, Jerry saying Jerry things, but maybe it means they're gonna go try and make a splash. They're not be, you know, he's that's not his MO. He's not usually a free agent guy. He's not usually a huge trader. But, you know, he may maybe Jimmy Johnson says he's back in the fold. Maybe Jimmy calls him up, says, Man, you need to go out and get somebody. Go get somebody. Shake things up, Jerry. All right take a quick break we'll come back and get to that text line 512-447-3776 we'll get to that when we come back here on the sports complex in the horn 1019 am 1260 the horn app at hornfm.com
3: the sports complex with patrick davis on the horn
2: Preacher, preacher, hold on, I got another confession to make, I've been waiting so long for a smile to cross my face.
0: Back on the Sports Complex on a five one two Friday, playing local music. You can go check live around town this weekend. This is Joe James. He's going to be playing Saturday at Saxon Pub. So if you want to check out uh, Joe James on Saturday, down at the Saxon Pub. Some good stuff. Great voice on Joe James. Uh, always, always a pleasure to hear him perform. Uh, if you want to go check that out on Saturday, Historic Saxon Pub. Text line's open. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Whatever you guys want to talk about. We've already talked a little basketball. We're going to get into some baseball and some football and some, and some more basketball on the 5 o'clock. Uh, but the text line's open. Big, fat poll of the day. Which free agent should the Cowboys sign? Would they prioritize? Whatever it is. However you want to phrase it. Uh, but the, the free agent that they should be going after, who is that for you? Uh, let me know on the text line. 512-447-3776. I already see some smart acts on here. Uh, first one says Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick. I don't know. Uh, I don't think they're going to go back and now fire the coach. They're both still available, uh, but I don't think they're going to come in. And I don't know if Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick uh, necessarily would both work together considering the fact they're both defensive coaches. I don't know who would be running the offense there. So if it's Josh McDaniels, they'll throw the whole thing out. It doesn't work anymore for me. Uh, let's see. Next extra says, New Thunder and Lightning signs Saquon and Derrick Henry from Derek. I I don't know man, that is a that is a, it's a that's a lot. But I feel like they're both just power backs going. Now they're both really good. But yeah, that is that is definitely flipping a switch if they were to do that. That is such a uh uh about face from last season where they didn't want to sign and where they were playing where they had Deuce Vaughn drafted and then they they kept Rico Doddle because they wanted to keep him on the roster. And Tony Pollard came back and none of them were real power backs. I mean, Rico Doddle ran straight forward. He did that pretty well, but there, it would be a definite improvement if you put those two guys in and hopefully one of them would stay healthy most of the time. You know, we won't get hurt and the other one's okay still. That'd be, be thunder and lightning like rain. They're not always there, but when they are, it's great. Uh, right guy from New Mexico. The Cowboys should sign Derek Henry, but I can see them signing someone like Dalton Schultz back and making a silly move like that. Yeah, that's right guy. I, I feel like you've been watching what the Cowboys do. I don't think they're going to go back and get Dalton Schultz. I think they're happy with Jake Ferguson and his progress, uh, the rapport he's building with. But I, I get what you're saying, that they'll go make a move that doesn't necessarily make sense. You know, go get another pass rusher instead of somebody to uh, to actually stop the run. Those kind of things, They <laughs> that seems like what they're doing. Or draft another guy because of the story or draft another guy because it looks good. Uh, in the first round, but not necessarily something that they uh, you know absolutely need. You could see them like they could just go offensive line and just and try and get a bunch of offensive linemen in there. So go, well, we need to protect Dak because we'll just outscore everybody. I mean, they could do any of those things. Uh, I mean, hopefully, Mike Zimmer is going to be a guy. I, I I think that we we've seen Mike McCarthy's is not necessarily go and push his way around a personnel. So uh, I think Mike Zimmer is going to be getting a lot more guys of what he wants to kind of fix that defense the way he wants it to be. Uh, not the Dan Quinn way, but we'll see. Uh, my man Chan says, do we match up well with KU? Chance of winning tomorrow. Uh, it depends. It depends which Texas team shows up. Uh, if the Texas team that shows up that doesn't want to play with, you know, physicality, the Texas team that shows up that just wants to shoot threes from six feet behind the line and dribble around the ball and, and you know, they they just want to play like they're the best team, then we don't at all. They're really, really tall they're really they're t- the shortest guy on that on the court for them is going to be 62 and then 67 6'7", 67 6'7", 7'2". that's a lot of height and a lot of length uh that Texas got to deal with on both ends of the court uh so you have to be physical you have to push them out on rebounds they're not necessarily the best rebounding team uh but if you don't box them out if you don't push them around uh they're not going to you know they'll take advantage of it so you have to go out and be physical and and try and be more like Houston than than Kansas. Because Kansas, that's one of their weaknesses. They're not a a physical rough team. They're more much more a finesse team. They're the guys when you play pickup basketball are constantly calling fouls. Like there's pickup basketball. You don't get you know, the NBA. You don't get a whistle every time you go up. If there's a little contact, you play through it, man. Kansas is the guys who call the foul on everything. Houston are the guys who don't call it on anything. And you're like, man, you broke my leg. And they're like, yeah, yeah, out of bounds on you. You want to be more of that. You want to have the thing of like Dylan Mitchell. There's a, there's Dylan Mitchell that doesn't look like he's going to, you know, he, that's a long way from being the product. I won't say he's not going to make it, but a long way from the product he needs to be to have success in the NBA. And then there's a Dylan Mitchell that has that little bit of Dennis Rodman in him and just a real good rebounder and flying around the court and jumping for balls and you know, boxing out and doing things where he doesn't necessarily have the size, but he can go in and, you know, use his physicality to bump on people, that you need that Dylan Mitchell to come in and play well in this game because his he's one of the few guys that has the size to go up against people. You need Dylan to suit and, and quite and quite honestly, uh, you know, I get that you don't want Max Smith and Tyrese Hunter to get in foul trouble. Kidna Weaver's probably going to get in foul trouble, but you have to go in and try and play Trump. I Like, this feels like a game Brock Cunningham is going to foul out of in like eight minutes. It just feels like that type of game of what Rodney Terry is going to try and send his guys in and do. Uh, I would say... Chances of winning tomorrow better than Houston. It's better than the Houston game, but not by a ton. Uh, I think we're pro- we're still under fifty percent of winning. Let's put it that way. We're still under fifty, but we're we're over twenty. We're we're over. It's a better. The Kansas is not as good as Houston is. So, but it, and also you're playing at Kansas. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. I think there is a chance. It depends what team that shows up though. That's my. That's what I have to say. Uh, text says you sound right. I appreciate you. I'm trying to get through it. It's kind of going in and out, but uh, I appreciate you trying to hang in there. Uh, And Vontae Mack. Vontae Mack, good call for that one. All right. I'm with you on that one. Texter says, any GM free agents for the Cowboys? No, I do not believe they're – I don't think they're going to go out and hire a GM. They could, but something tells me they're not going to. Uh, Texter says, I would say grab a running back because there's not that many in the draft. Wide receiver you can get late in the draft and D and O-line in the draft as well. No, and I agree. I think running back, uh, you know, we, I've said before, I think John the Brooks, if you can get him at, you know, the right place in the second round and you pair him with a, uh, a veteran back like a Derrick Henry and you get John the Brooks, give him time to come back from the injury, but have it so when you're in that playoff run, you now have Brooks and Henry or something like that effect. Uh, and then, you know, Derrick Henry is only going to play for you for two years or three years or how many years. And then it's Jonathan Brooks' offense to take over as the running back. Uh, I think something like that, because he is, to me, the best running back. To most people, the best running back in this year's draft. Uh, but his injury will push him back a little bit further down, I think. Uh, but for a team like the Cowboys, if they're willing to sign somebody and draft somebody, uh, then I think that could work out really well for them. Uh we also... Uh, Jan, thanks, buddy. I appreciate you, Jan. Text line's still going to be rolling. We're going to get to the next hour. Uh, Next hour, we're going to talk a little Texas baseball. They're taking on uh, Cal Poly this weekend. We'll go into the starters and all of that. Uh, This new salary cap numbers have been announced for the NFL. Uh, A couple players being released. We'll talk about that. The NFL and NBA action started back up last night. Lots of games, lots of fun. We'll get into that in the, the weekend coming up in the NBA. When we come back, uh, for hour two of the Sports Complex, text line's still open. Who should the Cowboys sign as a free agent? Who should be their priority? Send in that, five one two four four seven three seven seven six, 447 3776 And uh, I hope my voice holds out for one more hour as we go into the next hour on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn uh, app, and hornfm.com.